This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure, who are here to make procurement simple, offering great value and quality for products and services, all for zero cost. And what business wouldn't want that? I am delighted that their support will now help keep this show accessible and free to listen to wherever you access your podcasts. Please get in touch with them for a chat. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Di Gwinnell, Group People and Culture Director at those fabulous hospitality disruptors, Eden Group. Coming up on today's show... Di has a third-person identity crisis. We, we spent quite a lot of time making sure that we were who we thought we were. Phil questions the direction of the chat. Oh... That's not normal. And I gives us a key life lesson. Just you never want to be on the bunk below a drunk male. All that and so much more as Di chats us through her story and journey to date. There's a lot to like in Di's journey. On the face of it, it's a story which appears quite straightforward, but it's another wonderful example of what can be achieved even if you don't have an early career plan. In amongst all that, and as you might expect, we also chat about some people stuff. So there's some lovely little takeaways for you too. A huge thank you to Di for sharing her story. And I, for one, am excited to see what Eden get up to next. Don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Di Gwinnell. Hello, Hello. Di. Hi. How are, how are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, working from home today, which is always a pleasure, isn't it? So all good. Yes, very good. And where is home for you? I'm in Porter's Head, um, just outside of Bristol. Oh, there's a, a band called Portishead. <laughs> That's what everybody always says. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not being original then. Yeah, this is true. And it's what we're still very proud of in Portishead. <laughs> Very good. And that's all there is. There's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, I mean, it's a nice community. We've got a marina, a bit of beach. If you put your sunglasses on, it looks sandy, but it's actually muddy because it's on the estuary. But yeah, no, it's a nice place to bring up family. Yeah, and that's the, the kind of the north coast of that southwest tip. Is that yes. where, I, where we are? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, got you. And you've got, bless you, you it must be cold where you are because you've got a big fluffy jumper on. <laughs> yeah i'm just being tight with the heating possibly yeah well, but yeah I no are. i mean it's a, it's a foggy day today don't know if it's the same way where are you at the moment uh, no I, I have the sun shining pretty much oh. nearly in my eyes it's a beautiful day here sorry to say nice but uh but there we are I, we're one minute 20 and, and into the weather straight away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very British. i can't believe this happens every time <laughs> like i don't even put it on an agenda point to talk about but uh, but in any case uh, it is what it is. So um, for the uninformed out there, please tell the world who you are and what you do. <laughs> okay, so yes, I am Di and I am the Group People and Culture Director of Eden. So I head up HR. Um, we really don't believe in calling it HR at Eden. I know there's lots of clever ways that people can spin HR, human remains, etc. Um <laughs> But we really believe in being a people-centric, human-centered business, hence why I'm Great People and Culture Director. Um, and Eden is a hospitality business. Um, so we're service departments. Quite often feels like a hotel, but just you've got a lot more space for living upstairs. Um, we have a number of different brands and we're in the UK and Europe. 
who else has died? Oh, it's also a bit weird talking in third person there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that might be the first time that's happened. So you're, you're pioneering <laughs> a new way of talking. <laughs> so I'm a mother of two little boys um, and a puppy. And my husband also works in HR, but he works in civil service. So very much a different world. Oh. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Dead egg. <laughs> <laughs> we are for bright and fluffy sectors today. This is what we are here to, to talk about. But, I mean, this is a, a jest about that, but actually, the, the it's a very serious business that we have, and I don't think people sometimes take hospitality seriously enough. Like, I mean, it's a proper investment. It's a proper, you know, that we have assets and buildings, and you know, people to move forward, and all of these things, and and especially mm. what you guys are doing. I mean, since I've been aware of the group, which was introduced to me through Eric, in fact, mm-hmm. somebody reached out to me to see if Eric would come on the show. That was way, mm-hmm. way, way back. It feels like you guys have not stopped. <laughs> yeah, feels like that inside as well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's an awesome company to work for because of the growth potential um and the investment so yeah it's, it's been really exciting and it means that we have a chance to really shape something often you come in to a business which is already fully formed and you're just having to tweak things whereas here we sort of almost had the ability to wipe the slate um and from, from my perspective you know we we all looked eric involved everybody who you've, you've spoken to previously was looking at how do we want to drive our culture how do we want to grow as a business really consciously evolve um, our way of being and doing. And that's really special. No doubt. And and I, I suppose from your perspective as well, like a chance to form something and kind of evolve it as you evolve. And I'd imagine that's a massive part of what you're doing as yeah. well. Uh, is really, yeah, so really I, I joined um, when we were called Seiko, which is just one of our brands. And, and that was the original brand that started in the 90s. Um, so the company was called Seiko at the time. Seiko stands for service department company because in the 90s, service departments weren't really a thing. So they had to call yeah. it what it was. Right. And so I joined six years ago nearly to a company called Seiko and I was the HR business partner. Um, and actually, I'd just come off maternity leave and I was looking for a kind of nice little easy job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with <laughs> two little children based closer to home I'd previously been in in regional roles and the growth was just it's been amazing and I like you say I've been able to grow so I've grown from HR business partner it was just me and one administrator and I've been able to create a whole people and culture function to really help support the business's growth trajectory and and our our underlying purpose is soulful hospitality. Uh, so uh, amazing opportunity for me to grow and to be able to grow people within the people and culture team on that journey too, as well as see lots of people grow across the business. As we, mm. Even if you've been in the same role the whole time, you've had to grow so much to adjust to everything we're doing across the UK and Europe. So yeah, very, very exciting time. And you find here that you're just surrounded by people who have this passion for growth and learning and evolution. And, and that's that's why people join and that's why people stay. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to also have Paul on the, uh, yeah. the show, who is, I mean, 
a force of nature, I think, is probably the, the way to summarise him. So much energy. Yeah, I, 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 God, I just if I had ten percent of that, I, I feel mm. like I'd get so much more done. But um, yeah. in any case, no, he's he's uh, he's. A, I think fundamentally, he's a really great guy as well. Like, mm. I, I mean, I've no idea what he's like to work for, but uh, my dealings with him have, have been, uh, you know, all action, but a human yeah. at heart. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We do we work really hard to make sure that everybody who comes to work with us is on the journey and, and, and helps contribute to our culture as it evolves. And that is all about being people-centric, human-centric, 100% Paul. And we have some real baseline ethoses around always assuming good intent, which is really important for us. Because as, as you're growing so fast and you're figuring stuff out as you go, you're, you're going to get things wrong and things are going to get a bit emotional at times. Uh, and so it's really important kind of to remember that the relationships are there and that no one's setting out to do the wrong thing. And that, that's the type of people that we we seek to have within the business who are just brave mm. enough to, to try something and kind of know that if it goes wrong, that's OK, because we'll rally around and we'll we'll learn from it. Yeah, I really love that. Like as in focusing on this mentality that everybody is whatever it is that they've done whether it was something good bad or indifferent they they set out with a positive intention and that's yeah. your that's your natural standpoint as in we we expect that of them but also that's the the position that we adopt if something does go wrong is we're not yeah. going to lambast somebody for that because actually they they set out to to just do something positive yeah 100% i mean it's not you can't evolve unless you're willing to make mistakes you've got to have that brave sense of I'm just going to try this. I think if you're always looking over your shoulder or worrying about the consequences, something goes wrong, you're you're never going to try something new. You're never going to ask questions or or raise an idea. Um, So it's, it's, it's not a culture that would be healthy for a company that's growing fast. Yeah. Well, and, and what's that? There's a cliche, isn't there, around if you want ultimate success, double your fail rate or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it's not the same thing you keep failing. No, that would be. <laughs> yes, that's a a problem. Uh, <laughs> yes, perhaps then you need to have a, a discussion uh, with uh, <laughs> yeah. that individual. But uh, yeah, well, I, we'll come back to Eden because um, mm. I'm really interested to to learn about where you're going uh, as well mm. and what's next, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I also want to talk about. Well, actually, this is why you're here. We want to talk about you and your journey. Now, you're you very kindly said. <laughs> in the little form that I send out that you we weren't sure you were qualified to come on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> you totally, totally are. And the reason being is, is that I, I'm also as interested in your journey before hospitality, because it is kind of, you know, we're only in this moment now, all roads lead mm. here. Mm. Those roads are very different for everyone. So take us all the way back to the beginning of your career. And what did you get into? And, and, and what was the, the, the plan back then? um well like most people I didn't really have a plan to start with if I'm honest yeah yeah, and I I do think hospitality is wonderful for that I have to say you know people who come and don't necessarily have a plan and then the plan evolves and, and just opens up in front of them through hospitality so I do I do think that's what's brilliant about hospitality yeah um, but yeah no, so originally I didn't have a plan I studied English at university because I had no idea what I wanted to do so thought reading a few books would be fine um <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to make a career of reading books <laughs> 
exactly. And yeah, and then went traveling after uni because I still didn't know what to do. So ran out of money, came home and got a temp job in HR, which is actually where I met my husband because he was working in the office next door. So yeah, just actually fell into HR and then thought, I'd better do something with the fact that I've got a degree. So started applying for grad schemes, um, knowing that I was in a temp job in HR, I thought, well, I may as well use that to my advantage. So I applied for HR grad schemes. So it was all kind of non-emotional at that point and just slightly more tactical around which jobs am I most likely to get. Right. No, <laughs> I, I didn't. Whatever works, right? I mean, but this is the thing. How old would you have been at this point in your early 20s? 21. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but the, I've spoken about this so many times with so many different people around the the kind of societal pressures of you must find your path and get on it and all of that sort of thing. But nobody talks mm. about when you need to find that. And mm. actually, early doors, you know, life is for living, right? I mean, you've got to um, yeah. go and experience some stuff first before you can kind of. Well, some of us do anyway. Before you can kind of <laughs> make up your mind what it is that you you want to settle on. Yeah, I mean, seriously, in this day and age, there isn't a career for life anymore. I think, in fact, people do about three careers, don't they? Um, different really? careers during the oh, time. Right. Um, and I, I think that actually relieves quite a lot of the burden. I think it's quite scary if you're a teenager being asked, what are you going to do? And you're suddenly having to commit to 40, 50 years ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, very much. I do encourage people to just try different things. I think that makes sense. And then you learn as you go. Yeah. Do you think the the because you travelled straight after uni? Yeah. Do you think that helped and or hindered you in any way, shape, or form because you kind of were in this mental flux at the time that you didn't really have a clue what you were to do? But travel is a great place to go when you've got to go figure it all out. Yeah. So every summer in in the summer holidays at uni, I went travelling every summer. Right. So I kind of had just had it, and then got under, you know, got got it under the skin a bit that I just carried on wanting to travel, and so I just had to sort of get it out of the system. Um, so I'd work, funnily enough, I would work in a bar whilst I was at uni. There you are, you then... see, hospitality and the blood straight away. <laughs> you didn't know it, but there I was we are. Useless, absolutely <laughs> useless. By the way, um, so yeah, worked in a bar, and then every summer I spent the whole summer traveling. Went to Mexico, Thailand, and then yeah, so wanted to continue doing that before I thought about a job um so it was really getting it out of the system a little bit although to be honest I still have a massive long list of places that I'm gradually working through it's just that we have to drag the children along with us now yeah um I love, I love your wording but... there <laughs> I know, it's, it's quite literal <laughs> yeah I can imagine actually yeah why, why are we going here yeah exactly so so yeah I I think but yes I for, for Interestingly, people do point out again at Eden that lots of people are passionate about travel and hospitality who work here. And there's definitely something in the blood about exploring different cultures and being interested in in different people and the way that different people live. Um, And I think that that seems to be a common theme around people who work in hospitality. But not that I knew that at the time. I just love seeing the world. So the HR graduate scheme I uh, managed to get onto was the ASDA HR graduate scheme up in Leeds. And I was very, very lucky. It was a brilliant scheme, three-year scheme, rotations between sort of out in store and then across different departments like rewards, as well as 
development, funnily enough, graduate development. They wanted me to work on how to improve the grad scheme itself and recruitment as well. So incredible injection of all things HR. And so then it happened that I had had worked in a supermarket, so a retail um, environment, very low cost supermarket environment. And so I just use that to leverage the next job again. And that that's tends to be what you do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so stuck around in retail, but moved to wholesale. We So we we both, me and my husband, fiance then went up to Leeds, dragged him up there, a little bit cold. Decided we didn't want to stay there because it's a bit cold. So when we got married, we moved back down south where our families are from. Um, so I needed to look elsewhere. So went to wholesale. And then from there, moved to magnet the kitchen company which is still retail but it's but it's a sales environment really so yeah all of those though are people centric and and I wanted to try a different industry when I was thinking about moving on from magnet and I wanted an industry that was still fast-paced which retail is and that was still very people centric and customer centric those Mm. are the bits I really enjoyed and got energy from which is why hospitality was made sense to me, really. Yeah. Um, and it does. It ticks all those boxes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you, you want you want fast-paced? Yeah. You chose well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did that come about? Because this is something that I've spoken about as well with a lot of people. And it, mm. depending on who you speak to, very different thoughts on this. But... This is one of the things for me that I think as an industry we've generally not been very good at in the past, which is opening our arms to other sectors. Mm. But then I've had conversations with people who said, oh, no, we do that all the time. So mm. um, I suppose it will always depend on the leadership with who's in play, et cetera, et cetera. And I can understand it, I suppose, to a certain extent, whereby some people are apprehensive because it is a fast pace. It's very unique. It has its own quirks and nuances and all of these things but mm. equally when you're when you're I suppose transferring somebody over from another sector from a leadership based position into another leadership based mm. position it feels like that should flow in some ways because you're actually talking more strategic stuff now than perhaps on the floor day-to-day kind of stuff but in your case you moved over as a an HR business partner yeah. um, which is not I, I suppose at the level that you're at now or was it a case of the company was much smaller then? So it kind of is at the level you're at now. It's just that your role has expanded with the company. Um, so the the business even then was very people-centric and engagement was key. And so I I think I think they were open to looking for people who didn't have hospitality experience as long as they had experience working in people-centric fast-paced environments and I, I think that's always the case that you there are some companies like you say that are just determinedly looking for sector experience and there are other companies that are looking for traits in somebody and experience it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly sector related mm. um, so potentially I was lucky or did a good job of persuading them that <laughs> my, my experience was was relatable which it absolutely is <laughs> yeah, exactly. And funnily enough, actually, it, it's a view it's a view we take generally here because we sort of see ourselves as a bit different to your traditional hospitality business. So 
it, it doesn't make sense always to hire people from traditional hospitality businesses. Now there are some absolute gems and we will absolutely welcome them in, Yeah, but we will also look more broadly. And, and we have done since I've been here because again, we're looking for those traits and those characteristics as well as skill set, but quite a lot of that can be transferable. Um, and we do bring on people from retail as well as, from some manufacturing backgrounds as well. So it's, it's quite broad uh, as long as they're, they're, they're hitting the mark on the areas that are really key to us. Yeah. Now, funnily enough, because of the pandemic and the struggles with, with hiring, what was a bit different about the way that we recruited previously is now what everyone's doing because they've got no choice yeah. <laughs> having to work in the net. It's a bit yes. annoying because I'm like, well, this is what we've always been doing, but now everyone's doing it too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think... You, you have to look beyond your own sphere if, if you're going to drive change and do things differently. Yeah, and, and you guys absolutely are doing that. And I think the one thing I always remember when that when I, I took my first general management brief from you and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> not normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean that in a good way, though, because it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, uh, the uh, what I loved about uh, that, and I don't know whether you still do this, but the, you know, the emphasis on your general managers is actually, it's not to get bogged down so much in the kind of P&L and the business yeah. part of it that way, but it's to do everything that makes your guests and your team's experience as excellent as possible. Yeah, 100%. And we we often talk actually about whether we should change the title of general manager because um, it it isn't what it says on the tin versus yeah. what general managers do in hotels, and yeah, it it's that we've actually found it harder. Ironically, if we have when we do hire general managers from hotels, they're a bit sometimes shocked that we're asking them to not worry about the P and L, like you say. So sometimes it works better to get people who haven't been in such a prescriptive role before. Uh, because they adapt much quicker to a fresh approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose you, you've had to do that through the business. If you you guys are change makers, so you're re, you're almost reinventing structures and you know the the way a team makeup is and and all of these things yeah. that, that come together with with making change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've we've really grown a lot of people internally, um, particularly in the operations, um, but across the business. You know, as I've got plenty of people who have grown within my team and across the other central functions too. It's, it's great to help people grow. And I think once they've got their head around us and the way we work, it makes sense to grow them. There are some roles where you need a specialist of tax, for example. You're just going to have to bring in that specialist because yeah. you can't grow it quickly from within. Um, but in the long run, hopefully all roles will be able to do that and, and build pathways that way too. I still question whether people, you know, uh, are people really going to commit to a, a lifetime of working in one business or do we just accept that people will always move around and if we can keep another six months and then another six months with them, great, but not be too upset if people choose to move on because that's just part of their own evolution. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's such a critical mindset to have though in, in any form and you know, speak to a hundred different people within the realm of people and culture and actually if it's if it's somebody's time to fly and you can yeah. no longer give them the wings that they need, then just, you have to let them go. Like, yeah. but let them go well you yeah. know, with blessings and, you know, don't try to just throw money at them to try and keep them or, you know, whatever. If you can genuinely add value to where they want to get to, then do it, but don't force yeah. it because yeah. 
ultimately that puts everything out of balance and then ultimately that person's experience of you leaving is possibly a more negative one yeah um, and, and they don't and want to come back yeah or or just you know when people do change their mind choose to stay you often find that in six months 12 months they move on anyway yeah. because it's it's there is a mindset shift I think once you've made that decision it's a bit like um ending a relationship <laughs> it's quite hard to go back isn't it and I think people yeah. do need to just go and spread their wings try something else we do work hard to keep in contact with our alumni because there may be opportunities in the future they've grown we've grown and maybe there's a role that they can come back to um so that's important um and we do have people coming back uh, from time to time and that's lovely but yeah it's, I think it's you just gotta be flexible haven't you yeah, it's, it's the the word of the moment, isn't it? Really, because uh, well, what, what choice do you have? <laughs> I know that's the thing. I think people have been forced into being flexible. No, it's a, it's whether that that's a choice or whether they just feel they've got no other choice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, how are you finding? It? I don't want to make this too business commentary, as it were, but um, how are you finding life with people at the moment in terms of uh, you know everybody anywhere you look, the words are staffing crisis staffing crisis staffing crisis how yeah. is that how does that look for you guys at the moment are you are you also finding that or or how what, how are you finding it yeah i mean it's certainly not all flowers and and roses I, the word crisis personally i i don't really agree with if i'm honest with you phil yeah. because a crisis is something that's unseen and we've we've known there are going to be labor shortages for so long we could see it coming with with brexit and you know i was meeting with peers pre-brexit and we were all sharing our plans on how we were going to adjust we for example at eden we now sponsor people and we set that up before brexit occurred so we're always aware that there were going to be labour shortages coming down the tracks. Yeah. Um, and that that was, okay, so the pandemic sort of changed the focus for a period. But I, I think we're, we're just operating in a world, when you look at unemployment rates, it's just, even though we're moving into a recession, we're coming from such a low base with unemployment rates. And it's not just the UK, it's, it's Europe, it's global. Yeah. But we're always going to be faced with this challenge. So I think we really need to think differently about our our labour models and the labour market. Otherwise, we're going to be permanently thinking we're in a state of crisis, which actually is just a state of operating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is not a crisis. This is life. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, and and this is the thing for me is that I, I having I suppose operating on the fringes and uh, seeing things in many different companies and the way that uh, people are handling the the scenario is that in the pandemic we had this kind of uh, mindset of like everybody was able to just stop. I know you guys weren't actually able to stop because you you were still open. You had long guests yeah. and and things like that. So yeah, but a lot of people had I suppose it was a circuit breaker to the business to be able to think okay right this is not going to work going forward so let's make sure that we're doing xyz better and then mm. everything reopened again and everybody just got mentally busy again and it was a case mm. of well, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to that but we kind of we can't wait to get yeah. to it it's here it's now yeah. um, if you're not dealing with it head on then you're just going to be in this perpetual state of exactly. fighting. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think I think we need to stop 
just blaming a crisis uh, for where we are and just just actually look into the future and adapt and move forward. Yeah. Um, and so we really need to think about the, the labour model and how we just change our relationship with work, I think. And you know, the importance there is building out what we mean by meaningful work for our people and looking at where we really do need to have people working or where we rely more on tech and automation to, to mean that when we do have people working for us, that their jobs are genuinely impactful and meaningful and interesting. And then that's how you can really retain people and you can make sure that their comp and bends reflects the work they're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to work through as well as this desire for flexibility. I think that's, that's another one of the different ways that people come to work, whether it's contract or it's part-time, full-time. We just need to embrace the flexibility of how people are coming to us and make that as easy as possible um, and recognise that actually we really need to make ourselves as attractive as possible. You can't still keep in that mindset of, you know, we're making the decisions on who, who's going yep. to come work for us. But actually, it, it's always going to be in the hands of the worker or the employee. But let's leverage that. And if we can gain a strong enough reputation, then everyone's going to want to come work for us anyway, yeah. because we are who we say we are. Yeah, I, I think that's massively important. I've um, mentioned the words, look after your own house on, mm. on this podcast many times around the fact that there's a lot of noise outside, for sure. But actually, mm. if you just focus on you and what you guys can and cannot do and rather than trying to get the workforce to mold into you is that there has to be kind of a coming together of that yeah you know and that's that's it simple there we are solved it yeah yep. easy peasy yeah next <laughs> um yeah no, i i think it's it's an interesting one to work through uh, we funnily enough because we we did review our our culture um, and we asked everyone within the business what do you want to protect and nurture as we grow, what bits do we want to own or not own, we we spent quite a lot of time making sure that we were who we thought we were and have only really in the last couple of years started trying to externalise that. So it's really important to me that you know people we weren't presenting a false image about what Eden was, and, and we're always really clear about selling ourselves warts and all because it's not it isn't all sunshine and roses um yeah. it is hard work so yeah i i think we we probably need to get a little bit better now if i'm honest uh, at really portraying ourselves externally it's always people who say gosh this this is like the best kept secret work you know eden and you go that's really nice to hear but it's also kind of disappointing <laughs> yeah it took uh, so you to come in to learn that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but that's that's one of the the big saviors is that uh, everybody's talking about marketing, you know, because yeah. ultimately that's exactly what you've just said is that we, mm -hmm. you know, companies spend a lot of time marketing to bring guests in, but do they spend the same amount of money to bring and really fully form why somebody should come and work for you in yeah. in a way that speaks to people that that makes mm -hmm. them go, yeah, well, I definitely want to go and check them out. Yeah, exactly. because then you are running a model of you're almost getting the workforce to mold into to you in yeah. in a nice way, not a, well, a yeah, forced they're, way. They're saying, I want to work in a company like that, or I don't. I want to yeah. go and work for civil service. Absolutely fine. You go ahead then, you know? Yeah. So I think that is really important. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got a head of talent attraction. So again, we don't 
we don't haven't got recruitment managers here, but it's all around talent attraction for that very purpose about how we're presenting ourselves externally. And Nick works really closely with our marketing team because there's there's a really strong link between the two. Yeah. And Eden, so Eden is our employer brand, it's our investor brand. But obviously then we have our kind of product brands, if you like, which are Lock, Seiko and Cove. Um, but yeah, Eden is very much for our employees and to help attract talent. Great stuff. Well, um, back to you. Back to your story. <laughs> so you've been... keep dodging it. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Well, this is uh, you, you know you said that you're uh, you're unqualified. But you're you're doing a damn good job, to be honest. So um, um, not unqualified at all. This is the thing for me about the joy of running this podcast and the people that I get to to speak to is is that you know I, I could probably do this until the end of time and not come across the same story, you know, as to mm. how somebody got somewhere. Mm a smaller handful of people who knew exactly what they wanted to do at the age of 15 and the rest, you know, you're talking about one or 2% of the people, the rest yeah. of us didn't have a clue, you know, and, yeah. um, and it, it's absolutely one of the joys of, of hospitality is that it, it has no barriers to entry really in that respect in the sense yeah. that you can, you can join us at any time you like. Yeah, exactly. And you'll always have a lot of fun whilst you're working in hospitality. You'll always build lots of relationships. And I think actually that's the one major difference between retail and hospitality is that the community within hospitality feels a lot stronger, in my opinion. Um, So when you go to the events and the awards, everyone knows everyone in hospitality and there's always a real interest in every time a new hotel opens or a new restaurant opens, people want to know about it. They want to go and meet the GMs and try it out for themselves. It's a bit different in retail. People don't, they aren't so interested when there are new openings. They tend to be more relationship driven within their own organisation, but not cross-organisational. Right. Um, so that there's a, there's a much stronger sense of community, I think, within hospitality. Yeah, but I think that that's probably a sense of this word that I've heard uh, used before, coopetition. So you know, everybody else makes everybody else stronger because if somebody mm. if something brings somebody something new to the marketplace, everybody goes, "Ooh, what's mm. what's that?" Mm. Uh, and they'll go because we're also all consumers of hospitality. Yeah. Whatever it is that you do in your life, you, we all consume hospitality. Mm. So everybody's, if there's a new hotel opening, you want to go and check it out. You want to go and yeah. see what they're doing differently. You want to, what's their smell profile, you know, which is yes. a thing that I learned about <laughs> this year. I didn't yeah. realize that hotels had smell profiles, but there oh, we are. Oh, God, 100%. We're big yeah. into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, but there's also this kind of, like, if you're a, a front office manager in one place and a front office manager in another place, and you you know each other from previous, and it's just a a question of well, we're opening next week. Come in and have a look. I'll give you a tour. Yeah. And there's just this open arms mm. kind of approach to competition, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I really really love. I I think, and and because everybody keeps driving to be better, mm. is that it just keeps everyone elevating. You know. Yeah, I agree. It's it's quite interesting from an HR perspective. So I do think that hospitality is a little bit behind the curve sometimes in our approaches to HR. Right. But there's still that view of, you know, everyone works together and shares so openly their ideas and what they're working on to to progress. Mm. It's just that we're coming from quite a low base on on things like diversity and inclusion, for example. 
so yeah, I'm often surprised at why hospitality is a little bit behind the times when there is this collegiate approach to idea sharing. Yeah. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah, it's because everybody's busy. That's what Probably. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So you're six years in the company mm, now. Coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's What's next? What's 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 on the horizon for you guys? Well, we're still we're still opening. We've still got Berlin to open next year, Zurich next year, and Kensington in London. Um, so, and then there's more coming down the tracks. I think that's the beauty of working at Eden with having the development team, so Eric's team, linked directly with the operating team, is that you see far out these properties and can get so excited. We've got this amazing property in Lisbon. Um, just converted convent and to already hear the kind of archaeological digs the stories of this from the development team is just so exciting wow. yeah. it's great as well actually I have to say from a talent attraction perspective yeah well you can build a story around that can't you yeah so many yeah, yeah honestly so yeah so still plenty to open and there's some new countries in there so Switzerland is new to us so we're just getting I've got a head of people and culture in Europe and Paul Christina's just getting a head around Switzerland uh <laughs> So plenty to keep us busy, and and that's effectively what we'll do is we'll, we'll continue to grow, um, probably deepening where we already are yep. across Europe, and then you know the sky's the limit really. Do we eventually end up expanding into different continents? I hope so. So yeah, just just ongoing promise of growth here. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, I, I will continue to watch with wide eyes uh, at, at how quickly you guys move and operate and grow but you know clearly there's demand for what you you're doing and yeah you know it's not just from the people perspective that you're mixing things up you're you're mixing things up as to what people should expect when they come and stay in one of your properties which you know mm. experience is what it's all about ultimately yeah yeah exactly and I, I think that's you know our, our purpose of soulful hospitality is is for our guests it's for our people it's for everyone and I, I think that's the thing it's is that our, our guests should be on the same level as our, our people. And you really feel that when you walk into a property that everybody is joining a community, whether they're choosing to work in the co-working, they're eating in the restaurant um, or they're staying there or they're working there and that there's this real community sense. And uh, that's what makes it so exciting working here. Yeah, great. Well, it's very exciting times ahead. Before I let you go, one question mm-hmm. I love to ask everybody is, do you have any stories from your time in hospitality that you can share with us? Oh, you know, I've been racking my brains on this because, as you can imagine, I have lots of stories from a people perspective that I'm not able to share. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, might be a touch uh, litigious, yes. They are, yeah, they're equally terrifying and hilarious, usually. Um, but I'm not able to share any of them, which is always disappointing. And so I'm trying to think of any that I know third hand. I've just not got anything good that I can really share story-wise. I mean, from my own personal experience, the thing that always still sticks to me, my worst experience of, of hospitality was probably when I was backpacking, it was when I was in Australia. We had to sleep in an 18-bed dorm. Can you imagine that, sleeping in a room with another 17 I don't need people? to imagine that. I uh, I have done that in my life. It's not something I would do now, but for, no. for sure. Um, <laughs> yes. I, Mainly but, very drunk people usually as well. You just You never want to be on the bunk below a drunk male uh oh, crikey so it was it was mixed in that respect yeah. as well ah yeah. right well, i haven't done that I had, it was male and female uh dorms yeah. when when i did it 
Um, I remember we arrived, this was in Carlisle, of all places. Um, it's not exactly travel extraordinaire, is it? But the <laughs> two things that I remember from that, we were doing a school trip from my school in the Western Isles of Scotland down to Cambridge. Hmm. And we were, it was a, a kind of uh, work experience trip. We'd go and we were going to have a look at hotels. We were going to look at vineyards. We we're going to look at kind of lots of nice. industry stuff to entice people as to what you might want to do as a career, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And we stopped halfway at Carlisle on the, the way over in this dormitory, this hostel. And we arrived very, very late. And we couldn't, I couldn't find any beds. It was the last one in. I couldn't find a bed. But then I did find one and I took it only to then hear about an hour later, somebody come back and say, somebody's nicked my bed. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> But thankfully, they were polite enough not to wake me up. Or I mean, I was pretending oh, wow. to be asleep, but I was like, yeah. thinking, am I going to get murdered in this bed right now? <laughs> because somebody needs to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're interesting spaces, for sure. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I suppose um, it's a very early form of some sort of communal living, isn't it? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very pleased not to do that now when we travel. Although the issue now, you see, is that obviously we get to try out our new openings before guests come to stay. Of course. So my two little boys are thoroughly spoiled. They think that all hotels are brand new, never been slept in before. Uh, and um, they think that hotels always come with two bedrooms in a room and, you know, (laughs) a lounge and a kitchen. They think that's standard. So if they ever stay in a Premier Inn, they're going to be very shocked. Somewhat shocked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not to talk down about Premier Inn, but I have, no, they no. have uh, facilitated many uh, uh, an overnight stay somewhere. <laughs> but actually, you yeah. know, they were uh, change makers of their time in the last mm. uh, downturn. They went because their brand was ruined beforehand. I don't think it was Premier Inn. It was Premier Travel Inn, I think it was. Okay. And in the last uh, uh, financial downturn in 2008-9, they just went back to basics. They just said, what, what do people need if they come here? They want a yeah. comfortable bed. And so they yeah. pumped their focus into the bed. Um, mm. And it's paid. Absolute, paid absolute dividends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, simplicity is definitely key, I think. And always going back to what the guest wants. Because ultimately, they do pay our wages, don't they? So. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, final question before I let you go. What three reasons would you give for somebody to, to come and start a career in hospitality? Yeah. So community, the opportunities and the fun. Which I, we kind of covered, I think, across our chat <laughs> uh, in many ways. So that's a lovely conclusion, actually. In conclusion, <laughs> yeah. you should join hospitality because of what we just said for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, I, I will uh, continue to watch what you guys with, uh, as I said, with wide eyes. I think what you're doing Thank is you. fantastic. And you've got some really, really dynamite people in your organization mm. um, uh, at the moment. So, yeah, I, I wish yeah, you guys all really the best cool. for the uh, the future and beyond. What's beyond the future, Thank Phil? You. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. but, but there we are. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Di. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. And there we have it, yet another cracking career story and with this one I hope we demonstrated that it really doesn't matter at what point you find hospitality, you can still have a blast at whatever level you join. I'll be back again next week with more stories from hospitality but until then, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.